less than 10 years, more than a half billion people will be trying to earn a living in the on-demand economy. Those people and the apps that connect us with them make our lives easier. We need to remember, though, that on-demand apps are more than platforms for consumption. For many people, the platforms are how they make ends meet. That's why we urgently need platforms for on-demand services that not only maximize profits for their owners, but also provide dignified and sustainable income for the people who work on them. At Institute for the Future, we call them positive platforms. And recently, IFTF hosted positive platforms jams at our offices and around the world. These two-day convenings were fast-paced design jams meant to spark grassroots R&D on what could make the platform economy workable for everyone. I'm David Peskovitz. Today on For Future Reference, Mark Fraunfelder and I talk with IFTF's Executive Director Marina Gorbis and collaborator Simone Cicero about the Positive Platform Jams and the fellowship program that sprung out of it. I'm Marina Gorbis, and I'm Executive Director of the Institute for the Future. Hi, Marina. Tell us about the Design Jam and what went on there. This Design Jam came out as a result of the research we were doing on future work. We started several years ago what we call the Workable Futures Initiative. This was a time when Uber was new and all these different platforms came into being. And the conversation was quickly getting kind of divided. Some people were saying, this is the greatest thing in the world because it's so convenient, the service is great. And other people started saying, this is terrible because this labor, this kind of work is low paid, people don't get benefits, they have no retirement. And we decided to step back and say, wait a second, Uber wasn't just born yesterday. Uber is a result of 40 years of building a certain kind of technology infrastructure that allows this type of coordination. It's not good or bad. We have a lot of choices in designing these platforms to work not just for investors, but they can be designed so that to bring positive outcomes for people who actually work on these platforms. So we came out with design criteria for positive platforms. Things like, for example, that matching should be easy and seamless on these platforms, that data should be transparent, that people should have access to their reputation systems on these platforms, and it should be visible to them, that their work should be portable from platform to platform. So we designed these criteria for positive platforms, and then we invited people to come and talk about the design of these platforms and invited them to actually come up with prototypes of platforms that would fit the criteria. It's interesting that that the jam came out of um, research, ethnographic research that that IFTF did, um, trying to understand the way people who are making a living on these platforms as they exist today, how they live how they literally make a living doing it. And, you know, the, the question is, does, does, you know, IFTF does a lot of research, but it's interesting that, that you decided to take this initiative to actually try to 
make something to to prototype solutions to the problems that emerged out of the research. Right. And I think it's important for us. So we understand the technologies that are driving these platforms that are enabling them. Um, And by the way, we can't put these technologies back in the box. Once they're out, they they will be there. Uh, But we can shape how these technologies are being used and what are the regulatory mechanisms and other things that we can put in place. But it's really important for us to talk to people who are actually living the platform life, the people who are making a living on these platforms. And so we interviewed a whole variety of people who are using them in very, very different ways. And I think one of the things that we found, a lot of times when people talk about platform work, they tend to bundle like as if it's one kind of experience. All the platform work is the same. And what we found is that there are some people who are using platforms in one way and others who are using it a completely different way. For some people, it's extremely challenging and they're having trouble making a living on these platforms. And for other people, it's the greatest thing in the world. We had the jam and it was very exciting and there was a tremendous amount of energy there of people working on various projects. But then from there, you created an opportunity for people to continue the work, almost like a fellowship. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So we had about a 100 people participate in the design jam. And we, at the beginning of it, we shared some of our research on uh, workable futures and results of interviews and ethnographies with people who work in this way. We also shared our design criteria for positive platforms. And then we had people self-organize to come up with prototypes of different kinds of ways to shape these platforms. And then people self-organized into groups where they decided what particular design challenges they want to tackle and what prototypes they want to develop. We not only had people participate in this exercise here in Silicon Valley at the Institute for the Future, but we also had jams happening in other parts of the world. So we had teams working on this in Barcelona and in Italy, in Milan, and in Berlin, and in Finland. So that was exciting to see. And as a result of that, people submitted all kinds of proposals for how they would advance these prototypes and things that they would want to do to kind of uh, advance the field of positive platform design. And out of that, we chose four different projects. And the reason we chose these projects is because they are so different. So some of them have to do with creating different kind of ownership model for platform. So imagine if it's a co-op-based model. Um, imagine if Uber were a, a co-op and not a venture-funded um, enterprise. Uh, other people took more sort of theoretical approaches, uh, looking at what are some of the hybrid platforms that are kind of in between co-op and others. And another team looked at what do people mean by when they say a positive platform, like really looking at what's been written about them, how are they working, kind of doing more of an academic research. And then the other team actually was working on prototyping a platform that was particularly um, geared to people with disabilities and helping them 
match them with different kinds of jobs and tasks. One of the fellows was based in San Francisco, and they have a startup called Loconomics, which is really interesting kind of co-op version of something like TaskRabbit. What kind of work did they do for this project? They already had Loconomics uh, operating at a kind of a small scale. Uh, They already had um, some people signed on. This is a platform that allows for basically uh, ownership of local services where people can sign up and uh, offer different kind of services on the local level. And to me, it's a perfect example of something where you can do something, you can develop a platform for local services, and why not? What's interesting about it is from that service, they've now engaged in conversations with different kinds of colleges, community colleges, uh, working with them, helping think about how students can organize these co-ops to, for various kinds of platform work that allows them not only to be in college and learn, but also develop portfolios that they can help them get employment and get them work. And it's a really interesting possibility to think about why not have these kinds of platforms serve local communities. One of the things that we found um, during the jam and in working with Loconomics, but also with other co-op ventures, is that it's very hard for them to find funding and capital is restricted. Like it's easier, VCs want to invest in unicorns. They want to invest in the next Uber or another kind of platform. Uh, but it's much harder for these co-op type of ventures to get access to funding. So it's much harder for them to scale what they're doing. So Uber can have billions and billions of dollars in VC funding, but it's really difficult for these alternative kind of ventures to get access to the same level of funding. So then Uber can exist for many, many years and not have any profit. But these guys have to basically make money and scale as they go. There's some possibility there, though, because a lot of these companies that we've seen never make any money and then they collapse. And so it could be that the, the bootstrap platforms will have the staying power. It's, it's kind of too early to tell. I hope so. And one of the things we're doing now, so this work on positive platforms is evolving into another conversation, which is this whole notion of universal basic assets. And what we are finding is that, yes, these kind of platforms for many years, they don't need to be profitable, but in the meantime, can they can displace all of their competitors so they can undermine all these small ventures. It's not a level playing field. And so one area I'm really interested in pursuing is what kind of sources of capital and how do you create this capital flows to these alternative types of ventures that are ultimately more distributive in terms of profits, in terms of asset creation, that are more distributive in nature. Do you see any parallels between kind of crowdfunding efforts like Kickstarter or Patreon as a way to fund these kind of co-op grassroots platforms as opposed to, to VC funding? It, they could be like that, but 
even with crowdfunding and um, Patreon and other kinds of platforms, just because you're getting funding from different sources, it doesn't mean that you're distributing this funding also more equitably. It still can go to one idea, one person. It doesn't mean that you're distributing that the, the money more equitably. So that, that would be the, just the design of the, the platform to be many to many rather than, than many to one. Exactly. Which I think that Loconomics is trying to do because the interesting thing about them is that the platform itself is owned by the people who are on the platform, the, the value providers or the service providers. Exactly. And since the birth of Uber and these platforms, there has been a huge co-op platform co-op movement where people are trying to create these platforms but using a different economic model that's more distributed. What does this do in the context of VC investment and how it works today? I mean, is this, um, you know, can things shift this dramatically? And over what time horizon do you think? I think it's probably not one, but a whole number of things that need to happen. Now we're seeing first generation of platforms like Uber and Lyft and um DoorDash and all these other delivery platforms and others um, where it's objects and people being coordinated in certain way. But the next generation of these platforms may not involve humans. So if you look at automated cars, completely automated, um, then it's going to be just cars negotiating with each other and objects trading with each other. You can program your car and your car can rent itself out to whoever, highest bidder or whatever. So drivers in that case are no longer even involved in in that economic transaction. So what it means is that they become even more, the profits become even more consolidated because basically you're decreasing the number of people working on on these platforms. So if you take it to that kind of extreme where objects become economic objects and they're trading with each other and they're negotiating with each other, then it really impacts people as um, economic objects and economic entities. Um, So that's where you're talking about you know, loss of jobs, loss of incomes and things like that. And ultimately, the owners of the platforms then get even more profits and there's much less sharing of economic returns, which is why we're seeing already in our economy that returns are going to capital and owners of equity rather than people who are making their living on wages. And that's a very worrisome development. So that's when we start thinking about How do we distribute these assets and who should be the owners and how they should be distributed? It's interesting to be watching some of the conversations. So with Occupy, the conversation for the first time came into the public arena around income inequality. And increasingly, I think the conversation is shifting to asset inequality because If returns in this economy are going to assets and equity and financial owners of financial wealth, not to wages, 
then it means those who have assets will be benefiting a lot more. And essentially, you cannot have an economy where you don't have a consumer class. For people to consume, they need to be making income somewhere. So essentially, we're already kind of beginning to shift the conversation to that conversation about asset inequality. Thanks, Marina. And now let's talk to Simone Cicero, who facilitated the Positive Platform Design Jams. I'm Simone Cicero, and I am, uh, I would say, a designer and strategist, basically uh, working with uh, several different kind of uh, people and, and companies trying to design platform and platform strategies. I am also uh, the, let's say, the founder of uh, the project called uh, Platform Design Toolkit, uh, there is um, a project trying to create a, a set of tools, design tools like canvases and things like that to help uh, uh, people uh, actually design platform strategies and, and prototype them and make, uh, and make them happen. So that's, that's more or less what I do. Can you tell us what was your interest in getting involved in the Positive Platform Jam at Institute for the Future? Uh, well, uh, that's a good question. The, 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 um, as, a, as someone that is working in this uh, context, let's say, um, since uh, now several years, uh, I'm also very much active into the communities with, that uh, in the last uh, five or six years, let's say, have been um, investigating and looking from different angles to this uh, phenomenon that uh, we formerly uh, started to call uh, sharing economy and then the, 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 the collaborative economy and then the gig economy and then platforms and then uh, networks and, and so on. So I think I was always, I've been always um, interested in uh, understanding uh, the social implications and uh, uh, in, more in general, you know, how these uh, new businesses, new type of businesses or organizations more in general uh, are impacting on, on one end and can shape uh, uh, society on the other hand. So I was uh, interested in this topic, uh, I would say, uh, since a, a, a lot of time. And uh, the convergence between uh, our research, uh, my research, uh, and my work uh, as a designer or strategist or uh, also conference uh, organizer and so on with uh, the research from the FTF, I think it was a very good and a sweet spot uh, also to, uh, you know, to look at this uh, issue from a couple of different points of view, which I would say are the um, European point of view and the US uh, and Silicon Valley point of view. So for many, many reasons, I would say that uh, that was the, uh, the original driver for me to try to, uh, you know, join this project and try to give it, uh, uh, you know, uh, also a different approach, you know, that, uh, that was the approach that uh, uh, bro brought us to, for example, to think of uh, a distributed event, not just an event happening in Palo Alto, but also involving uh, and many other teams uh, that was the approach that uh, also brought us to think of uh, a research fellowship so that's more or less the, the interesting uh, uh, the interesting um, idea you know to, to see this convergence between uh, several different points of view on the same uh, I would say on the same phenomenon 
What was it at the Positive Platforms workshop that you found surprising, having had a lot of experience in this kind of thing yourself? What did you learn from it? Um, well, uh, one thing I learned is that um, maybe one could uh, underestimate the interest uh, of people uh, towards these topics. And maybe it could sound like a technical topic, but then in, indeed we had a lot of requests from a lot of um, uh, you know players like researchers or, or empl uh, entrepreneurs and and designers and consultants all, all all these people that really responded enthusiastically so the first thing i learned is that uh, this is not a technical uh, issue no it's something that interests um, people a lot and um, also another very interesting thing for me Uh, well, this, that was actually a confirmation of, uh, uh, of uh, something that uh, kind of uh, I've experienced already, uh, is that uh, um, you should avoid uh, to over-design you know, the experience of people participating in these kind of large gatherings. And uh, that's why uh, I choose to to use a technique that is called open space technology. So I was very surprised by, you know, the effect you have when you just create a space and create a way for people to self-organize and discuss what is important. And I think the, the real value out of the platform gem in Palo Alto Uh, was in the relationships that uh, came out of that uh, session. So uh, more than the actual result of two days of, uh, of, uh, uh, of working together, it was the, the long-term impact of the, all the relationships that were created around a shared interest, a shared topics. Uh, that's, uh, that's why also when we started discussing this uh, possibility to make the, the event, I, I always uh, I, and uh, I shared uh, from the very start, from the very be beginning, that uh, I, 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 I wasn't very much interested in this hackathon idea or making a, a, a narrative that we could uh, uh, solve problems in two days, because actually two days is it's not that much, and it's much more interesting and important to nurture uh, relationships for the longer term and to stimulate people to meet, to discuss, and learn together. The Positive Platform Jams, the Fellowship, and this episode of For Future Reference were supported by the Ford Foundation. Greg Fleischett composed the music for our podcast. For more on IFTF and the Workable Futures Initiative, please visit www.iftf.org.